Hello and welcome to episode number 42 of the Modern Casanova podcast with me, Troy Francis. Welcome to the show. It's a beautiful day once again in central London where I am currently ensconced in my little study doing a lot of work because today is the launch day for my new book which is called 10 Times Happiness Zero Bullshit. So if you were awake last night at midnight in the UK then you might have seen me doing a periscope from Soho across the road from here where I spoke on video and celebrated the launch of the book on Amazon. So now you can go over to Amazon and of course I will put the link at the bottom of this uh, in the description of this episode because this episode's all about the book and yeah click on the link go there and you can get the book as either an ebook or you can get it as a paperback and I think if you get it as one and you also want the other you can get the other for free so let me know if that isn't working for any reason but that should be the case so if you buy the paperback and you want the ebook you should certainly be able to get the ebook free I'm not 100% sure about the other way around actually but do give me a shout if you've got any questions on that but anyway the book is live on Amazon 10 times happiness, zero bullshit, and you can get your copy now. And in fact, if you were to get your copy now, I would be massively grateful because, well, of course, it also depends on when you're listening to this because this is the 29th of June, 2018, which is the release date. Now, of course, if you're listening to this and it's 2020 or 2025, I would still love you to get a copy because I put so much into that book and I think it's going to help you a lot and I think you're going to love it. But particularly if you're listening to this today, which is the 29th of June, 2018, I would love it if you got a copy. And because if you do that, then that helps to push it up to the uh, up the bestseller lists, which judging by the feedback so far and judging by the sales so far, it's looking like we're going to hit. So I would be massively appreciative if you could help me out on that um, and get the book today or at the weekend just so that we can really push it up and the more that I'm able to do that of course the more readers I'm able to get the more people that hopefully the book can help which is important but equally important is that it helps me then to continue to fund other things like this podcast like putting out the content that I put out and working on the exciting new projects which I've got planned uh, I'm going to be working on over the summer so obviously I am an independent author if you like I'm a self-published indie author which is a growing and quite cool field I think actually there's quite some pretty cool people who work in the same field I'm looking at doing some other products as well I'll probably be doing a course and so on later in the year but you know the bulk of my income comes from my book sales so if you like my work and you like this podcast or if you like the writing I do on the website or on Twitter or whatever else then please do consider buying a copy because it really helps to support me and to keep me keep the uh, the lights on if you like while I produce this content for you which I hope you're enjoying so a bit of a plug there as you'd expect um obviously you need to get that in and i'm sure i'll plug again before the end of the episode but i thought it would be cool just to come on given that it's the launch day today and talk a little bit about what's actually in the book so if you've been following me on youtube and on instagram or on twitter in fact then you might have seen some videos that i made in Amsterdam last week with uh, Tom Torero actually who was there as well he helped out by filming me talking a little bit about some of the contents of the book now we only actually made three videos and in those three videos we talked about three different 
elements of the book but today what I think I want to do is to talk you through the seven steps that I outline in the book because what is this book really about well obviously it's about happiness now to be honest when I started writing this I kind of wanted to call it something more depressing I kind of wanted to call it something like how not to commit suicide or how not to kill yourself or something like that because what I kind of really wanted to do was to write a really personal really raw book that really went down to the depths and talked about some of my experiences with things like depression and drink and substance abuse and medication and all these different kinds of things and I wanted to get really raw and gritty and then talk about okay so how do you pull yourself out of that how do you get out of those depths and go on to make a meaningful and happy life for yourself and so I was going to lead with that kind of negative angle and then it occurred to me that it possibly wouldn't sell very well or it was a bit of a downer you know it's a bit of a downer to, to and it's also a bit of a low bar to set isn't it to say how to not commit suicide is kind of the, the minimum that you would hope for from, from your life, really. And in a sense, that was intentional because what I wanted to try and get across with that title and also the way that I was seeing the content then was this is a desperately important thing. You know, you're, you only have one life. And if you're living it very unhappily, as I was for a long time, then, you know, for a start, you could be at risk of suicidal thoughts. You, if, if things are really bad, you could be at risk of self-harm. And those... Un unpleasant things and that obviously needs serious attention and serious medical attention you need, you need to go and see a doctor you need to go and speak to, to people to get help with those things but more than that even if you're not at that quite at that level nevertheless this is your life you know even if you're m mildly unhappy but you're dissatisfied with the way things are going we have to wake up we have to wake up and we have to realize we're on this planet for such a short time i mean i'm now in my <clears throat> in my 40s and that is not considered old per se although depending on what age you are listening to this you might think it's quite old but it's not generally considered old and i'm quite young at heart and i you know i try to keep fit and i think i look relatively young and everything else but nevertheless the reality is that i am likely halfway through my life it could be even <laughs> it could be even a greater proportion of my life has passed we don't know that because it depends uh, when i die so if i die this afternoon then obviously it will have been a majority but if i live to the kind of age that one would generally expect to live then i'm certainly at the halfway mark and probably over the halfway mark and what i can tell you is that it's flown by now it's funny how time works isn't it you know you look back and you think has it flown by I don't know, when I think about school, that seems so, so long ago now. And it was so long ago. But at the same time, when I think about the last decade or so, that seems to have flown past really, really quickly. And loads of great things have happened. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have had a great life. and My life continues to get better. But my life continues to get better because... I hit rock bottom and I had to do certain things to make it that way. It wasn't an accident. It's not an accident that now it's a beautifully hot sunny day in London and I'm self-employed, I'm wearing shorts, I'm wandering around the flat, I went for a coffee earlier, I'm doing my content but it's content that I love because I'm passionate about it because I created it. I don't 
as I say, I don't have a boss, I don't have to go into an office, I don't have to wear a suit, I'm making my own money, I can plan my own day, I can plan my own time. All of these things are great, and I'm incredibly grateful for them, and I, I express my gratitude for them every day. But the reason that I'm in this position is because I had to take certain steps to get here. It wasn't just, I wasn't fortunate in the way that I just woke up one day and suddenly this was an option and I was able to do this. I was able to make podcasts and videos and make money from my books and so on. It took me a long, long, long time to get there. Now, hopefully it might be the case that it's going to take you a lot quicker because what I've done in this book is I've distilled down the different things that I did in order to get there. So the intention of the book is firstly for me to tell a bit of my story because I think that's helpful. I hope that some of the personal anecdotes in there you will identify with or if even if the exact same thing hasn't happened to you, nevertheless, hopefully you'll see that human connection. You'll be able to feel the emotions that I felt. You'll be able to understand some of the things I went through and perhaps there will be paranormal perhaps sorry there will be parallels with your own life that you can draw and you can think yeah I understand I get it I get what this guy went through I felt like that as well and I want to move on from that so I tell my story but what's really important because obviously it would be very self-indulgent if it was just a book about me and it's not it's not a, a biography or a memoir by any means I then give you the steps that I took as I say to, to get out of it now in reality the story is a little bit more complicated and I go into this in the book because I had issues with alcohol and I had issues with various drugs, party drugs mainly, things like, uh, well, we do, probably don't need to go into it here, but things like, uh, things that you might see on movies uh, about Colombia, I had some issues with back in the day. Now, that was all a long time ago, but the truth is that in order to get over that, I had to enter a 12-step organization. So I had to go into recovery, if you like. So re rehabilitation and then recovery from alcohol and substance abuse issues. And I still am involved with that 12-step organization today. I still go to meetings all over the road, uh, <laughs> all over the world, not all, not all over the road. That would be a bit... Um, That'd be a bit weird and not very private. All over the world. So uh, in London, I have a lot of friends here and we go to, we're involved with this organization. We go to the meetings, we help each other out. But I also go to meetings all over the world as well. So if I'm in Berlin, I know guys there, guys and girls there. I, I meet up with them in New York, in Paris, wherever it is, wherever I might be, I will always go there and check out the, uh, the local groups that, that meet there. So in Prague, for example, when I was there recently, I met up with, with some guys there and it was really, really good. So what I'm saying anyway is that for me, some of this stuff, I, it, it wasn't forced on me, but some of this stuff I had to do because I had, I had this problem that was basically killing me. I had this problem with alcohol that was going to see me dead or it was certainly going to see me maybe in jail or, or it was going to see me at the you know my health being drastically impaired and probably at the very minimum just a very very unsuccessful boring miserable paranoid impoverished life when i was living in manchester before i moved back down south before i moved back down to london which was about 14 15 years ago now 
I did most of my drinking in Manchester in England. Now, if you're British, you will know Manchester very well. If you're not, you probably know Manchester United and everything. But Manchester is really the second city in Britain, I think. And apologies to any Brummy Birmingham uh, listeners to this. Um, I mean, Birmingham is a great city as well. But I think Manchester is a very cool, cosmopolitan, cultural sort of place. Uh, loads and loads of fantastic bands have come there. They had loads of fantastic nightlife and parties and stuff like that. And I went there in the 90s to attend, ostensibly to attend university. And I basically spent a decade drunk. You know, I basically spent the whole time partying drunk, doing various pills and substances. And, you know, having trying to have what I thought at the time was a good time. And sometimes it was you know I had some good times up there without a doubt but also my life unraveled and at the end of that I was basically in a one bedroom house you know I was in a bedroom in a a house chest in a grim grotty kind of part of town and all I had was some clothes and you know a couple of possessions here and there I had a job I hated I was in a relationship I hated I was drinking all the time because I was miserable but I couldn't get out of that my room was dirty there were plates all over the floor old pizza boxes cigarette packs you know sheets not washed all of this kind of thing it was real squalor and I couldn't get myself out of that because I couldn't stop drinking I didn't really know that. I wasn't fully conscious of that at the time, but that was the reality. I couldn't stop drinking, so I got myself locked into this cycle. Now, my drinking then got worse and worse. My behaviour started to get a bit erratic. Strange things started to happen to me. I would go into blackout for long periods of time. I wouldn't be able to remember what had happened to me. All of these kinds of things. It was pretty miserable. It was pretty grim. And in the end, it got to a point where various things happened. Won't go into it here, but, you know, I hit rock bottom. In fact, I had to, there were several rock bottoms. It was a kind of bumpy road. And, um, you know, they always say each rock bottom has a trap door in it. So, you, <laughs> you know, you think you've hit rock bottom and then can you go further? Yes, unfortunately, you can go further. And that happened to me a few times uh, on the way down, if you like. So I got to a point where circumstances forced me to look at the issues that I had. I was forced to confront this stuff and to do something about it because if I hadn't, then I'd I'd have ended up dead or I would, as I say, I mean, certainly have had a very, very miserable life. And it, it got to a crunch point where I had to do something about it. So what happened was I went to a 12 step meeting group and they started to teach me some things and I learned some different things and I started to change my life as a consequence of that but if it hadn't have been for that then I may well not have been so lucky but the interesting thing is a lot of the time I think we're all human you know we're all human beings we all relate to things in in a similar way we all have similar reactions to things and so on it's just that the addict personality if you like it's a bit more heightened in certain areas so the addict will use alcohol or they might use drugs or something in order to uh how can i say in order to take the edge off how they're feeling the normal in inverted commas civilian in the street might not do that but that doesn't mean that that person doesn't have other issues that they have to deal with and it also doesn't mean that they might not have other coping mechanisms as well because i know plenty of people who I've known girls, for example, who were not alcoholics and were not drug addicts, but they were certainly 
they certainly had issues with their weight. They were certainly either anorexic or bulimic, or they would take pills to, you know, to, to uh, what's the word? You know what I mean? They take pills to, to flush themselves out and those kind of things. Alternatively, you know, I've known girls who were shopaholics, who were addicted to shopping, had an issue with that, had to cut up their credit cards and everything else. People are sexually compulsive. They become sex addicts, if you like, or they become relationship addicts, love addicts. You know, you become obsessed with this girl or you become obsessed with that guy and you can't get them out of your mind. Um, so that happens a lot. So there are, all, there are these different sorts of co- coping mechanisms. I mean, the other one is, is workaholism, which I probably have now, uh, <laughs> and it's great. Or g- addiction to the gym, addiction to running. I mean, some of these things are, on the surface of it, yes, yeah, some of these things are less, they're less destructive. It, I would rather be a workaholic than I would be an alcoholic. I would rather be addicted to the gym than I would addicted to crack out in the street for obvious reasons. Having said that, all of these things can, and I'm not saying they are in your case, but all of these things can be used as a way to not feel your feelings, as a way to avoid the real underlying problems in your life. Uh, And certainly that's what I was using drink for, it's certainly what I was using substances for, it's certainly what I was using partying and sex and relationships and shopping for and all these different kinds of things for a very, very long time. And arguably, you might say, well, I'm still using some of those, some different things now, you know, maybe I'm using work, maybe I use exercise a bit, you know, whatever. Okay, well, it's always work in progress, you know, it's always, I always have to look at my behaviour and try and work out, well, am I, am I, covering up for something here? Am I trying to escape from something here? So none of us are perfect, and I'm certainly not perfect, but I am in a position that I can share with you through the book some of the things that that I did and some of the things that happened to me. And I think, I hope it will be a value. I hope that uh, people will get you know, the value that I intend from this. And I think, I think they will. And certainly, so far, the reactions that I've had on the bits that I published, uh, some reactions on the book itself have been very, very good. So that's really, really encouraging. And, uh, you know, if the book does what it's intended to do, which is basically to help people, then as cliched as it sounds, that will make it all worthwhile because that is really the purpose of this. So I want to then go into what the steps are that I've taken. Now, when I say steps, people might start to think about the 12 steps of recovery that you have in 12-step recovery groups like Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous or groups like that. Now, as it happens, or not as it happens, it's not an accident, there are, this list of seven steps is influenced by the 12-step program. So there are elements of the 12-step program in this list. However, it's not meant to replace the that 12-step program and it's certainly not meant to improve on it or anything like that what i've done with this is i've taken some of the key things from that program but also from other areas of my life as well where i've learned and i've sort of put it all together into a new package because what i'm very conscious of is a lot of people listening to this you know they probably maybe you've never had a problem with drink you've not you've never had a problem with drugs you know you're not a compulsive eater or something like that so there's no point in me replicating the 12 steps for you and saying we'll work this program because it's not you know it's not for you you're not an addict in that way however 
are there things within that program that will help you? Yes, 100%. So what I've done is tried to distill it in a way that I think will be helpful to the more general reader. Now, if you're listening to this and you do think you've got a problem with alcohol or you think you've got a problem with drugs or whatever, then I would still encourage you to get the book because it will show you the the roadmap from somebody who's been through the same thing so you'll be able to get a sense of my journey and what happened to me and how I got through it but I would 100% say you also need to seek out help in the in the normal way so you know go to a meeting get get um, the book Alcoholics Anonymous which is the key text for for that uh, 12-step fellowship call up the the office in your the home, the headquarters office in your country speak to them you know speak to your doctor reach out get some help from a professional basically if you're if you have a problem with substances uh, or or overeating or undereating or something like that because these are very very serious things and i don't think that it should ever be taken lightly not that reading my book is taking it lightly but you know what I mean? I think you need to speak to somebody about those problems, get some outside help, get an outside opinion on what's happening and see what they recommend as well. But, you know, saying that, hopefully my book can be, you know, another element that you can use and it will, bring, it will give you some insight into how things were, certainly in my case. So anyway, the, the steps that I outline in the book are as follows. They are, firstly, smash denial. Secondly acceptance thirdly realize you're not in charge fourth flip the script on bad habits fifth reach out to others six find meaning and seven live the life you want not the life you think you should so let's just go through those each in turn and I'll explain a little bit about what the significance is. So the first one is smash denial. And this I think is pretty familiar to most people really. I think it's well known that certainly in an addiction situation, it's really key to, you know, to kill your denial about the problem that you've got. And that can be harder than you might think. So when I was drinking, Alcoholically, what I now recognize as alcoholic drinking, I wasn't going around at that time thinking, oh, I'm drinking alcoholically, I must go to a 12-step fellowship meeting in a church basement or, or something like that. I didn't think that at all. I thought, well, yeah, I drink a bit, but everyone drinks. And also, if you had a life as problematic as mine, then you would drink like me too. So I knew that I was drinking a bit too much, but I never considered that to be the key problem. And so for that reason, I didn't sort it out for you know, for many years. So again, this is, this should apply to people without those issues. It might be that you're going along in life. And I think we can all do this. You know, we can go along in life and everything's kind of all right. And yeah, things are all right. You know, got a job, got a relationship, got somewhere to live, got bills to pay, blah, blah, blah. But there's some sort of gnawing unhappiness beneath. There's something that just isn't quite right and I had that even years into recovery I had that even a few years ago you know I'm going along and everything's kind of all right I know I know deep down it isn't all all right but I don't have the ambition I don't have the impetus 
to do anything about it because I'm comfortable enough. And that was particularly the case for me in one of my jobs where I was for 10 years, where I was getting paid quite well, been in this company for 10 years, everything was plodding along, never wanted to be there. I mean, I, for many reasons, I didn't like the place. I didn't enjoy most aspects of it, but I stayed because it was easy. I was getting good money and it was only, you know, I was quite fortunate in a way because events forced me to, re- to look at that again. Um, but either some event's going to happen and you're going to have to look at your life, you're going to have to look at your happiness and do something about it or not. But what this chapter does or what this, this stage in the process does is say to you, okay, look, think about it seriously and then smash through that denial. You know, don't make excuses to yourself any longer. Just, just see things as they are. And then that leads on to number two, which is about acceptance. Now, acceptance is a hugely important topic in recovery and generally in life itself, I would say. And I can't go into it in sufficient detail here, but just to say that once you've identified the reality of your circumstances, once you've determined, okay, this is where I am, I don't particularly like it, but this is where I am, then the imperative comes in to accept and just to say, okay, fine, for the moment, this is fine. So for me, for example, I'm currently living in a, a an apartment in London, in central London. It's kind of nice, it's not uh, luxurious, It's the location is amazing, um, it's not perfect perhaps arguably the place where i was living before in london was even was even better uh i'm paying a certain amount of money for it is that amount of money does it stack up with what i'm bringing in well that's a you know that's a question for my finances i need to to look at but essentially i there's no point in me pretending things are other than they are like today i have to say okay this is where i am this is the reality of my business. This is the reality of where I'm living. This is the reality of my relationships. You know, this is the reality of my travel plans. I accept all of that stuff. It may not be perfect. It may even be adverse or negative, but for today, I will accept it because we have to know what the baseline we're working from is. And then once we know what that baseline is and we accept it honestly, then we can move on to change it. The next phase is called, or the next step rather, is called realize you're you're not in charge. Now, this gets into some quite deep philosophical areas about determinism versus humanism, if you like. So, you know, basically, do we have free will or is everything preordained and we just have to go along with it? And I go into this in some detail in the book. And it's really interesting, actually. It's, It's something that has interested me all of my life. But in the end, there is huge value in accepting that one isn't actually fully in charge of one's life. Now, that doesn't mean that you sit down and just say, okay, fine, I'll let the chips fall where they may. I'm not going to do anything and just you know, wait for God to save me or whatever. I don't mean that at all. You have to put the effort in. Like, for example, with this book launch... I'm putting the effort in. So I've done all these tweets, I've written articles, I've sent out emails, I'm making this podcast, I've done videos. Obviously I wrote the book, I edited the book, we did a nice cover and everything else. You put all of that work and you put all of that effort in. And you should absolutely be motivated in doing that. And that can make you happy because as we'll come on to see, doing stuff, 
you know, pushing forward with your purpose makes you happy. But what doesn't make you happy is then trying to control that afterwards. I can't now control who buys that book. I've put it out there. I've tried to tell a lot of people about it. I've, I'm selling it. You know, I'm selling it now by doing this podcast and in my articles and things. But in the end, I can't control the final outcome of that. I can't, make, I can't reach through the speaker and make you go onto Amazon and buy that book. Although I'd be very grateful if you did, of course. <laughs> um, but I can't, you know, I can't control the outcome. So there's no point in me pretending that I'm fully in control because I'm not. It's, it, 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 there are too many other factors involved. So at some point I have to say, okay, I've done the work. I've done all of that. Now I'm just going to sit back and wh- it, what will come will come. What will happen will happen. I can't control everything. And you have to realize that because otherwise it just drives you nuts, believe me. And this is the, the mindset of many addicts and alcoholics. They try to control everything and it just drives them crazy. And so they, they use more. The next one, number four, flip the script on bad habits. Well, pretty, pretty obvious this one really, but it needs to be restated. And that is, are you doing things that are taking you in the right direction of your goals? Or are you doing things that are taking you back in a negative direction? A lot of the time we self-sabotage. A lot of the time we do things that are actually taking us in the wrong direction. So we need to do a proper audit. We need to look at that and then we need to say, okay, right, so I need to do these things because that's what's gonna take me forward. The next one is reach out to others. Now, maybe you're doing this already a lot, maybe you're not. For me personally, I was, I've always been quite introverted. I've never been a, a naturally massively social person, although I do like to, I do like hanging out with people. I do particularly like one-on-ones and things. You know, you need to be part of a group. You need to be part of a community. You need to have people around you and not just online. Now, I know I do a lot of my work online now and I'm, I know many people online and I talk to people online all the time. That's great, but it's not really enough. I need to have that, that sort of one-to-one or that connection or that communion of people around me, that, that communal kind of uh, uh, community. I need that because otherwise I get isolated, I get caught up in my own thinking and I become... stuck in my own madness, if you like, really. I need other people in order to help me to to balance things out and to bring you know, clarity to my life and to my issues. The next one, number six, is find meaning. So when you've done those, those things that I mentioned already, then your life will be in a better place because you'll have come to terms with uh, the past. You will have ensured good relationships with other people. And, and by the way, this thing about reaching out to others, a part of that is looking back at your relationships with those people and seeing if there's things that, that need to be repaired. Because if you've had some big beef with your family for years, that's a negative albatross hanging around your neck. And really, you want to do something about that if, if you can. So I go into that in the book. So anyway, you've gone through this process. You've accepted things you know where you are you've repaired your relationships you've got better habits in place you're moving forward and now the important thing is to find meaning in some way because i did all of that stuff when i stopped drinking and i was still unhappy and the reason and i'm thinking the very early phases of when i went into recovery and the reason i was still unhappy was because i had nothing to do literally nothing to do i stopped drinking and suddenly there are all these hours in the day that I had no idea how to fill because I'd never done it before. So 
and it took me time. It took me a long time. I tried to find meaning in different things. I sort of didn't really find it and, until finally, and it was kind of a no-brainer really, but it finally became clear that writing really for me was the thing that gave meaning to my life, that form of creativity where I was able to express myself. That became meaning for me and that became something that I began to work on seriously again from my late 20s until we get to this point now where it's really what I do for a living if you like um, so you need to find meaning you need to find that thing that makes you want to get up in the morning and it shouldn't be really a relationship or it shouldn't really be you know trying to please somebody else or something like that this should be something that you want to do it's your mission as they say in things like the way of the superior man it's your raison d'etre as the French might say and then finally, number seven, is live the life you want, not the life you think you should. Now that's been my catch phrase for a little while. And I think a lot of us really, we live lives that we feel that other people would like us to live. So maybe we get a house, we get married, we have a white picket fence and a dog and all this kind of thing. Did we want all of those things? That's the important thing. In many cases, maybe we didn't. Maybe we wanted a different sort of life. And the reason that we're not having that life is not because of our lack of ability to get it. It's because we never had the self-motivations, let's say, to go and get it. So this is where, having cleared away all the other stuff, you get the self-motivation and you're able to say, right, I'm going to go and move to Ibiza and I'm going to work on a wind farm or I'm going to study some crazy uh, Middle Eastern, you know, kind of yogic practices and then I'm going to go around the world and teach it or I'm going to give up my job and I'm going to go travelling or, you know, whatever it is you want to do, this is the point at which we say, right, enough is enough. I'm alive once, I'm on this planet now for this short period of time, I am going to do what I want. And ideally, what we're going to do is we're going to use the meaning that you found to become central to the life that you live. So for me, for example, there was a tipping point when I really wanted to write, I was writing in my spare time, but I was doing a job I didn't like. And for years, the question on my lips and in my brain was, how do I make writing the centre of my world and and the, the thing that I earn my living from and now it is because now the bulk of my income comes from writing I make I make money from other things as well but the bulk of my money comes from from writing so that has happened but it's taken me a long time to get here and there's still a long you know there's still work to do there's still a long way to go but nevertheless you know how do you get here well you have to get here obviously by defining what you want and then finding a way but the great thing is today with the internet with social media and with the power of connectivity that brings us, we're able to create careers around ourselves, around the things that we're passionate about, around the things that we're interested in, around the things that we yearn to do. And that's an incredibly exciting time to, to be. And going forward, if you've been following me on Twitter or you've been looking at my blog, you'll see my stuff about punk persuasion. Um, and I won't go into that now because that's a whole different concept. But in terms of my content, I'm really moving into this field of, okay, so how do, we, how do we build a brand around ourselves? How do we do the thing that we love and actually get paid for it? Because look, let's face it, um, why the hell are we on this planet? You know, why? It's, it's nuts when you think about it, that we're on this planet and we spend, the average person spends so much of their time working for somebody else, building somebody else's dream, 
doing something that's going to make that person rich and not doing the thing for them that they've always wanted to do for themselves. Now, it's natural. I did that for years. I did that for a couple of decades. That's kind of the way things are. The, the, in a sense, the deck's been stacked against us in the past because the, there were too many gatekeepers. You know, you couldn't just release a record because you had to go to the record company. You couldn't just put out a book because there were publishers and agents in, in the way. You couldn't just be in a movie because you'd have to get cast by Steven Spielberg or something. You know, the barrier to entry was very high. Now, because of the internet, because of online publishing, because of digital marketing, because of Instagram and YouTube and all the rest of it, the bar is incredibly low. So that means the opportunity for all of us is massive. The opportunity is unprecedented in human history in terms of what we can do as autonomous human beings making money and making their income out of doing the things that they want to do and actually just out of being themselves. You know, you think about on Instagram, how many people are making a living just by being themselves? Now, you know, you might say, well, the Instagram girl who just posts pictures all day and, you know, she gets sponsorship and stuff. Um, you know, is that the kind of career I want to do? But listen, that is absolutely, I mean, that is incredible that somebody can do that. That's incredible that somebody can just be themselves, put out content based on themselves and monetize that. That is an amazing thing. And we should all be thankful that that opportunity exists now if you're not you know the the attractive girl in the bikini that's not going to be your uh route necessarily but there's going to be something else you can do there's going to be some other thing that you can do that you can amplify through online content and that you can make money from and that's where we want to get you to because that really is the future. So that is the book anyway, 10 times happiness, zero bullshit. It goes through all of those stages. It tells you exactly what I did to get from where I was, which was a pretty miserable situation to where I am now. I know you're going to enjoy it. I know you're going to get a load of value from it. Please do pick up your copy from Amazon today and do when you've read it, drop me a review on Amazon. Just let me know what you thought, because that really helps me in terms of building up that audience and getting this out to more people and ultimately doing more work and putting out more content for you guys. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. I'm really keen to know what you think of the book. So please do let me know and we'll speak next time. Bye-bye.